The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I'm excited to get into the Word this morning. I want to, to jump right in. I get excited because I like when things are shaken up a little bit. Uh, I've been in a number of different church services and venues. Some of them have been big. Some of them have been uh, small. And there are times where you become aware of something that's happening, something that's maybe uh, moving and shaking, so to speak. And it's really uh, interesting to break routine. Uh, and you know what routine can do. It can set in, and before you know it, uh, things get a little bit uh, boring. Nothing's outside of expectation. Uh, and so uh, this morning, obviously, had a, a little shakeup to my schedule and root in the routine of things, and thought, well, that's that's uh, that's exciting, you know, that's a good perspective to have. It, it it beats freaking out or panicking, right? So I just figured, well, that's exciting. That'll be fun. And then was was feeling something stirring in my spirit uh, concerning the direction of the the word for this morning. Now that's a very important thing to me. I, I don't say this lightly. I, I really care about what we get into in the scripture. I, I really believe that when we come together, you know, it's it, when you're in the word of God, you really can't miss, but you always want to, to get into specifically what God's speaking to a congregation. And, and it, it's a, a tremendous responsibility because he's ministering to us a, a individually as well. So it's, a, it's a, a responsibility that I take very seriously. And I was feeling a stirring in my, my spirit to move to a message that uh, I, I knew uh, had not been completely prepared yet. So when I felt in my spirit, hey, that's the message that I want you to bring today, my first thought was, I don't think you got the memo. That one's not finished yet, you know. And apparently he did get the memo and he doesn't care. So it was, this is the message that, uh, that I really believe is pertinent for us this morning. And I hope that it, it ministers to us as a group, as I always do, and then I hope also individually uh, I want to jump right into the Word this morning, and it's a little bit of a different uh, setup here. Uh, normally, there's a little more time to organize some things, and, and there's a few things jotted out here. So we're going to jump right in and kind of see how this goes and trust that God's at work here. Uh, here's a few things that you're going to find as we, we get into the Word, and I think that's important to set some expectation. It also helps just kind of keep us engaged uh, as, as we move through uh, uh, several passages of Scripture here. Uh, to anticipate some things, to look for some things, helps us to, to keep our attention where it needs to be. Uh, one, we're going to find what God has. He has something, and we're going to find out what it is. Uh, you know, oftentimes we, we stay focused on the things that God is doing and, and the things that he's done in our lives. There's something specific that he has, and it's worth taking note of. In fact, when you come to the awareness that God has these things, it, it can really be a liberating a thing for your life, uh, liberating from things like anxiety and, and fear, things that can bring about a, a paralysis or a, uh, a real challenge. Uh, another thing that we're going to find is how to be wise. Now, I like this as something that we'll find in the scripture because everybody wants this. You know what I mean? I mean, if we were to go out onto the street, I mean, it doesn't matter where. You don't have to be in a, a, a conservative area like Central Texas. You could go into the streets of New York City or, or Los Angeles, and you could interview people and ask them, uh, do you want to be wise or foolish? I, I have a feeling 
the vast majority, unless they're just trying to be contrary, are going to say, I want to be wise. I mean, this is something everybody wants, right? And, and Jesus comes right out and tells us how to be wise. And I think that's worth paying attention to and, and taking note of so that we can apply uh, the direction and that counsel to our lives. Uh, a third thing that we're going to find is a good thing to ask for. I mean, in our prayer lives, we're making our requests known to the Lord. That's, that's part of a, our prayer life. And there's something specific that is a really uh, a wonderful thing to seek after and to ask for. And we'll find that uh, when, we, uh, when we get there in the scripture. So I mentioned before we're going to find out what God has. I want to start there. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I want to ask you to open up to uh, the prophet Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29 Specifically, we're looking at verse 11. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Uh, we're going to find out what God has here. When you get to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, uh, the scripture is going to read something along these lines. God is speaking, and he's speaking to you as his child, as uh, us as his people. And he says, I know the plans that I have for you. There are plans for good, not for evil, plans for a future, and plans for a hope. Now, this passage of Scripture is a really uh, encouraging and uplifting passage of Scripture for a number of reasons. I mean, just the beginning of this passage of Scripture opens up with the, the, the truth that God has plans for you. Now, when I'm reading this, when I see this in the, in the Scripture, those are words that stand out to me, words like, like that three-letter word, you, that this is specific. It's not just like God saying generically, hang in there, guys, I've got a plan, you know, and then he turns around the corner and kind of wrings his hand, freaking out, thinking, oh, I've got to work something out. But rather, this is really specific, because whoever's reading this, this is directed to them. I mean, whoever is hearing this word, as the prophet is delivering this word, this word is directed to them. God is speaking to you, saying, I know the plans that I have for you. Now, whether he's speaking to a group as a nation or he's speaking to the individuals that make up that nation, this is God's stance toward life in general. He has plans, and they're specific. It's a liberating thing to consider that my life is not random. That the things that are going on are, are not something that uh, are, are being uh, met with shock and surprise by my maker, but rather he has an established plan for my life. And to, to be further encouraged is to, be, uh, uh, to continue to read, to find out that these plans have a purpose, that they're plans for good. I mean, sometimes when the plans of God are coming to pass in my life, they might not be enjoyable as they come to pass, but ultimately... The desired result or the reason for their being established in the first place is for my well-being. It's another encouraging uh, point from this passage of Scripture. One, that God has plans for me. Two, that those plans are for my well-being and for my good. That they're for me to have a future and a hope. I love the word hope. Uh, people have jokingly, you know, branded that word onto my life. I was jokingly called Pastor Hope one time, and, and I had no problem with that. I've been called worse. <laughs> but the idea of hope and to have hope, to be able to endure and to push against all odds when, when everything is, is, is looking as if destruction is imminent, but you can stand and you can believe and trust and you can see victory come to pass uh, against all of those odds that would speak otherwise, to me that's a really wonderful and powerful thing and that's hope. 
And God has made a way for us to always be in a position of hope, to know that he does have plans, that those plans are for good, and that those plans are meant to stir in us this wonderful and powerful effect that is hope. So as we consider these things, it's a wonderful thing to, to take note of. It's a wonderful thing to look at. It's a, to consider that God has plans for me and for my life it causes me to pause and not just be uh, uh, subject to the idea that things could be random, but it's liberating and releasing to the idea that God is at work, that there is an intentional force that is behind the things that are going on in my life. It also stirs in me this, this awareness. Now, this is not meant to be thrown out there as a curveball or a bit of a stretch, but anything that God does or anything that God has for me, I stop and I always ask myself the following. God has plans for me. I'm made in the image of God. Do I have plans for me? Am I a planner? Am I actually looking forward to things and, and choosing the direction that I would go intentionally? Or have I found myself in a position of being overwhelmed by busyness and distraction and I'm now in a place where my life is just kind of randomly bouncing around like a pinball at the mercy of circumstance and situation around me? Or am I in control of the direction that I'm taking through the plans that are established for my life? It makes me want to stop and pause and say, you know, in my prayers, Father, I know you have plans for me. I'd like to know what those plans are so that I can have plans for me too. I would love to see those plans revealed that I might in faith stand side by side with your plan and your plan be adopted as my plan and me walk in faith, trusting and believing that the plan that is revealed to me, that is embraced by me, your plan for my life, becoming my plan for my life, can be walked out to a T according to your will. Let your plans be revealed to me, that I too might have plans. I'd like to be a planner. Have you ever been around a planner? If you're not a planner, you know when you're around a planner, because it's completely different than the way you live. I mean... So this might be a bit of a stretch, but my wife is a list maker, right? Now, that's kind of a, a form of planning. Uh, if you want to see, I can go on an overseas trip. I could leave in 10 minutes. I mean, I could get a call from someone in Africa that says, hey, we want you here for these services. I could be out the door in 10. I really could. No problem. I'd probably wear this. I'd probably wear this the whole time I was there. It could be a five-day conference and in every picture. It's like, that's day one, that's day two, that's day three, that's day four, that's, day, that's just the way I am. I, I don't need to do it. But my wife, on the other hand, would sit down and begin to start writing. You know, you see the smoke coming from the end of her pen, and you look over there and think, what do you write? Well, I'm making a list, a list of everything that we need to pack, you know, and you start looking down that list, and you're thinking, wow, that's impressive, you know. It's more of an inventory of everything that's in the house, actually, but it, it's, that's her list to take with us, so... Uh, but when you're around someone that's a planner, it stands out. You know, you see that. And, and honestly, I get to be a bit jealous. Now, I like the idea of being able to leave in 10. You know, that's kind of a, something that I look at and, and could find attractive and, and would be drawn to that kind of mentality. But I see that God is a planner. And I'm called to live my life uh, made in his image and after his likeness. I want to develop that as a discipline in my life. I want to become a planner. I see the, the absence of planning in my life as a weakness. I no longer see it as a strength. I don't see it as something macho, you know. 
fun to joke about, but the reality is I begin to see it now as, as, and dare I say this to my own fault, an immaturity. I want to be mature. I, I, I want to be a planner. I want to be intentional about things, and that's a good word to add to our vocabulary if it's not already there. I want to give you a passage of Scripture here from the book of Ephesians. Now, when I told you before that the message was a little on the raw side, that the message was something that was underdeveloped, and, and when I believed that it was stirring to, to deliver it this morning, that I had some caution uh, thrown out there, this passage of Scripture was really the message. The idea that this was even developed at all really meant that there was a file on my computer that had this passage of Scripture typed out in it, and that was it. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 15 and 16. Now, when I became a believer, a, a new believer, when I became a Christian, when I was born again, I, I began to, to work with a, a group, and a, a, it was a, a group of believers in a church, and it was a discipleship course, and I, I took it very, very seriously. I mean, I, I was on fire for Jesus, and I remember one of the things that the leader of this discipleship group established was uh, the importance of, of uh, exposure to Scripture, you know, more than just Scripture memorization, but more like saturation. And what's amazing is this passage of Scripture was, was one of those passages that we, uh, we set to memory and, and would meditate on. And so I think personally it probably has kind of a, a near and dear place in my heart because it had a great impact on my life when I was born again. I want to bring it this morning, though, to lay the foundation for, for something very important that God's established through this passage. I mean, you're going to find out a, a wonderful and powerful calling that's on your life. It's going to have rich instruction. I mean, it's just these, you know, two verses of Scripture, really, but it kind of sums up our purpose, so to speak. But Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15, it, it reads like this, See that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I mean, just to have the verse read out loud it doesn't really, you know, cause alarms to go off of, of, of inspiration or, uh, or, or revelation. It, it really just doesn't have a lot of pizzazz to it. But when you stop and you begin to look at what these words are saying and what this passage of Scripture means, I think you find a, a tremendous amount of depth. I mean, the way it opens up, you know, see that you walk circumspectly. Well, I don't really talk that way. Circumspectly is not really a word that I use in my everyday vocabulary. If you were to go and to look this passage of Scripture up, in like the NIV, which is a more readable translation of, of Scripture, uh, it would read like this. It would read, be very careful then how you live, not as an unwise person, but as a wise person, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. That's a little more common tongue. It's a little more how we talk today. Circumspectly is, is not a, a real... Uh, uh, present word in, in our everyday vocabulary, but yet it is a good translation. I mean, when you consider what the word means and, and how it, it has come to pass there in the scripture, uh, it, it means things like diligently, uh, perfectly. And, and those are, are the words that I think best fit where God is going with this passage of scripture. As we consider walk, this isn't about instruction to be a biped, you know, how to move from A to B, but rather this is how you live your life. 
how you live your life, the, the series of choices and decisions that you make. This passage of Scripture is a call to make choices and decisions diligently, perfectly. Let me say it like this. Make your choices and decisions on purpose, purposefully. It's a call to make choices and make decisions intentionally. And, and I want to offer this to you as a, a thought. You know, sometimes when you are, are, are stirring, uh, having a message stir in your heart, there'll be thoughts that rise in your mind and you'll, you'll, you'll think, yeah, that really sums it up. And, and this was one of those thoughts that stirred. If you're not intentional, you are vulnerable. If we're not intentional with our choices and our decisions, then we're at risk of compromise. If we begin to, to do things uh, uh, loosely and we no longer apply the, the scripture as direction or have witness through the local church or the apostolic, the things that God has established for us to have multiple witness in our life, if we begin to get loose with our choices and our decisions, we become vulnerable to compromise. And that in and of itself is a bit of a slippery slope. Based on my own life experience, once compromise is allowed, it gets easier and easier and easier. And before you know it, it's taken over. And you can find yourself completely off track. See that you walk circumspectly. Just those first words, you know, see that you introduces a, a, a sense of responsibility. I mean, that's a really great thing to notice in this passage of Scripture, that this isn't just something that is meant to happen at the doing of, of you know, God making something come to pass on your behalf, but rather this is an individual or a personal responsibility that belongs to you. See that you bring this to pass. I need to monitor my life. I need to ask myself, am I doing this? Or am I on cruise control? Am I in, in some sort of autopilot where I'm no longer intentionally thinking about the things that I'm saying, the things that I'm choosing to do, the things that I'm applying my life toward? Has it become loose? Or is it still being done circumspectly, diligently, perfectly, carefully? See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That passage there is, is mind-blowing to me. To walk circumspectly is to walk in wisdom and not in foolishness based on this passage of Scripture. And I think that's a really incredible thing to consider because we all want to be wise. I want to be wise. I never want to fall into the trap of foolishness. I, I don't want anyone that is a part of the body of Christ or here at Champions Church to live a life that would be described as foolish. I want us all to be people of wisdom, walking in the wisdom of the Lord. And based on this passage of Scripture, to not be foolish but to be wise is going to mean living your life carefully, making your choices and decisions intentionally, or seeing that you walk circumspectly. And then when you begin to consider the rest of this passage, I think you see something that's really powerful. I think it shows the effect that comes when we choose to live a life of wisdom, when we in intentionally become careful with our choices and decisions, when we reject 
a, a life that's subject to compromise and we embrace a life that is careful in the things that we choose to say and do, you see this result and it's a really wonderful and powerful result. In fact, I don't know that I can think of a more effective statement than what would be closing out this passage of scripture. To be careful in your choices and decisions, to be wise, has the power to redeem the time because the days are evil. Now keep in mind, that's coming from the New American Standard. If you go to the NIV, it would say making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I love the word redeeming, though, and that's the reason why I lean on the New American Standard, because I'm redeemed. Jesus has brought redemption into my life. And when I see now that I have a call through my choices and my decisions to bring redemption into this world, that means something to me. It helps me to understand this may be what Jesus means when he says, now go freely give as it was freely given to you. Freely given to you, my son, is redemption. Now go with every choice and every decision that you make and bring redemption into this world. You are empowered to redeem the times because they need redemption, because the days are evil. And we don't have to go very far to see that that's the truth. You can turn on your TV, you can listen to the news, and you can see the, the, the blatant blasphemy that's lifted up, that's, that's put on a pedestal, the abominations that are celebrated, and you can understand that God hasn't called us to, to dig trenches and throw rocks and wage war, but he's called us to live as light, light that has the power to redeem. In the same way that Jesus could be around the sin and the corruption that was in the world and not wage war against it, but rather draw from that darkness those individuals who were subject to darkness into light through his example, through his words, his attitudes, and his actions. That is the evangelistic call and anointing that is on your life through your choices and your decisions to be careful and intentional in how you live your life, having the power to redeem the times because they're evil. I love the concept of the word walk, you know, see that you walk circumspectly. I mentioned before, it's not just instruction for getting from A to B, you know, lift up one foot, set it down in front of the other, but rather it's how you live your life. When you go to the concordance, which is really a dictionary for biblical words, and you, you find this word walk and you begin to look it up, the, these are some definitions that come with it. To make one's way. I like that definition because you have a way. I mean, God has plans for your life, right? Remember what he said? I know the plans I have for you. I know the way that I have for you. And then that promise that it's, it's a way for good, not for evil, that it's, it's to have a future that's, that's filled with hope. How you walk is how you make your way. Be careful how you make your way. Do it with wisdom, not with foolishness. Here's, here's another definition for that word walk. Uh, progress. Or progress. How you move forward. I love the idea of, of progressing. I want to progress in every aspect of my living. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better businessman. I want to be a better man in general. I want to be progressing in every aspect of who I am. I don't ever want to just stand still, and I for sure don't want to regress and go backwards. Here's an, another definition, and I think this one is, is really 
where you find where the verse is going. To make due use of opportunities. What a wonderful thing to see your life from that perspective. To see your life as a series of opportunities. I mean, to to consider every joyous occasion, every hardship and every trial, to see them all in the same light, that every single thing I deal with, whether it's enjoyable, whether it's frustrating, it's all in the same category, it's all an opportunity. An opportunity for what? An opportunity for me to be Jesus. An opportunity for me to be light in the world, an opportunity for me to release the power of the Holy Ghost into whatever situation or circumstance may be being faced. To see your life as nothing but a series of opportunities is really to see your life as God would call us to see it through the anointing and through the authority of the name of Jesus to bring the ministry of the kingdom of God in and through our life in every single aspect of our living. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the times for the days are evil. What a wonderful call to have placed upon your life. It causes you to pause and to see the the weight of choices and decisions. It it causes you to pause and think for a moment, is is this something that that I have been missing in my life? Do I need to, to embrace some new discipline in order to evaluate my choices and decisions? I've never really thought about it this way before, but I can see now clearly that my life has tremendous purpose. And therefore, my life has tremendous worth and value. I told you before there were a few things we were going to find. Uh, One, how to be wise. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as as wise. I want to apply everything in the scripture to be wise that I possibly can so that I can fulfill this passage of scripture and see that redemption that these times so desperately need released through my life. I want to know how to be wise. I mentioned to you before we would find how to be wise. I'll, I'll give you a passage of scripture that we can lean on for that. It comes from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus is speaking and he's ministering. He's he's delivering the most profound messages. The, The word states that people are in awe of the words that he's preaching, that he's preaching as one that is empowered one that is filled with authority, ones who, whose words actually matter. And I, I, I like to put myself in that place when I read that and, and think, what would that have been like? It's interesting that it made the scripture, and I'm sure you've been in a position before where words just really didn't do a description justice. Maybe you tried to describe something that you had experienced and, and you found yourself struggling to, to communicate. It, the experience just is hard to transfer and it just doesn't translate through the limitation of words. But you see that this crowd was moved and the only thing that the author could write was that people were amazed. And they were amazed at the authority that came through these sermons. And I like to think, you know, what would it have been like to have been in that crowd, to have heard Jesus speak and to be left with that impression? Maybe you could feel it in the air when he spoke. Maybe, maybe it was such an enormous crowd, but yet it was absolutely silent. You could hear a pin drop. I don't know what it would have been, but something had to have taken place that left people with an impression that these words are exceptional words. This time is an exceptional time. This is intentional to have an impact on the rest of my life. I'm never 
going to be the same. As Jesus is, is preaching the messages that he's preaching, he begins to close his message. And as he begins to close his message, he, he does so around verse 24 of Matthew chapter 7. And it sounds like this. Therefore, everyone who hears my words and acts upon them will be compared to a wise man. A wise man who built his house upon a foundation of rock. And when the rains came down, and when the winds blew and burst against the home, it didn't fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. He goes on to speak the opposite. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them, they'll be like the fool who built his house upon the sand. And when the rain came down and the winds burst against the house, it fell and its fall was great. I hear this sermon closing and I begin to realize what's being revealed here, the difference between wisdom and foolishness, the difference between living as a wise man or a foolish man. When I hear the call to live my life in a way that is intentional, to walk circumspectly, not as a fool, but as a wise man, I see the instruction in how to bring this to pass right here in Jesus' closing words. Take his word and act on it. Take his words and make them my actions. His counsel, his instruction, his direction, his command, fill in the blank with whatever word you like, it becomes your action, the thing that you do. I think that's an incredibly profound thing to consider, that he doesn't just say the one who listens to these words and believes them is like the wise. But without just stumbling on some accidental truth, he's very intentional in his words and strategic and specific in stating the following, the one that hears my words and then acts on them. This is the wise. This stirs in me a, a, a fire to want to do a couple of things. One, I want to gather all of the words of Jesus that I can possibly gather into my heart and into my mind. I want to surround myself with his words, become familiar with his words, and then I want to devote my life to turning his words into my actions. I want to do the things that he says. I want to be wise. And it's in that wisdom that we find that, that circumspect living, that intentional living that protects us from being vulnerable to compromise, that opens up the door for redemption to be released into this world through our existence as God has designed. I want to be wise. I want to give you a passage of Scripture here as we continue and, and move quickly. Uh, Psalm 111 verse 10, it speaks of wisdom and, and it says the following, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and a good understanding have all of those who do his word. Again, think of the intentional release of that word do. We would have all been satisfied with a number of other words, believe, 
trust, but do. To, to put Jesus first and to revere His Word, the fear of the Lord, the beginning of all wisdom, and then to see that carried out in my life, to live a life of understanding, an intentional life, walking circumspectly as the call in Ephesians would release over my life, to bring that redemption into the world would all come from doing the words that Jesus would speak and prove that I would have a good understanding. And then it's that concept of understanding that I want to close with. And it's a concept that we've spoken of before in other messages, but I believe it's the most fitting aspect to close a message like this with. To be a person of understanding. To to make a way for everything that we would speak of this morning to be a reality in our lives. To go beyond simple revelation, but to be released and executed and become who we are. That we could do more than know, but we could be. I mentioned to you before that we would find a good thing to ask for. It sounds so uh, generic. But as we enter into our, our prayer lives and we make our requests known to God, there are things that we ask for all the time. Some of those things are intentional and well thought out and biblical and some of those things maybe not so much. But the following that we'll see in the scripture would be a great thing to ask for. Dare I say, could be the most important thing to ask for. You'll find the example of it in the book of 1 Kings. You'll find it in 1 Kings chapter 3. The example is set from a young man named Solomon who's put in a position of of leadership and tremendous responsibility, honestly no different than you, you who carry the, the, the power and the authority of the kingdom of God to bring about redemption into these evil times. He's placed into this position, and he asks God for something. Now, traditionally... You know, the belief is that he asked God for wisdom, and and that's not a a, a bad interpretation, but it's not the right interpretation. It's not the literal interpretation. It's very readable, and it makes for good reading, but it's not very accurate, and therefore it doesn't make for a good example. And I want a good example. I don't just want a good story. And God speaks to Solomon and basically gives him a blank check. He says to Solomon, what do you want me to do for you? Well, I see that blank check given throughout the gospel when Jesus says, ask in my name and it shall be given to you. We have that same thing that Solomon's been given. And when Solomon has this opportunity, I believe he walks circumspectly. I believe he had a plan. I believe he was intentional. And I don't really know that that matters. Perhaps he was lucky, but I don't think so. He asked God for something, and if we simply translate it wisdom, we'll miss the specific thing that he asked for. The literal translation of what he asked for in the Hebrew was two words, Shema Leb. Shema. You see the banner here, Yahweh or Jehovah Shema. It means to, to, to hear is how it would, would be translated. Now, in this translation, it would mean to be present, but present for what purpose? Present to hear your cry. You know of the Shema. It's a song that would be sang by, by a, a Jewish rabbi. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu. 
Adonai Echad. Hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Shema, hear. That's what Solomon asked for, Shema Leb. Leb being short for Labab, a heart. He asked with two words for a hearing heart. That's what he asked for. As we consider this concept of, of everything that we're looking for, to live a life of understanding, to, to, to do the, the things that Jesus would speak, to walk circumspectly according to that call in Ephesians, to live as wise people and not as fools in order to bring redemption into this world, we see a great example when given an opportunity to ask for anything and have it done for us. Shema Leb. I want a hearing heart. Basically, what Solomon said is, I want to hear your instruction so that I can follow your instruction. And I know that if I hear your instruction and I follow your instruction, things will go well, not only for me, but for this entire nation. And as we, uh, who are anointed with the Holy Spirit, bought by the blood of Jesus, seek after that same uh, lifestyle, a lifestyle of Shema Leb, of a hearing heart, to hear His instruction and do His instruction, we too will be a people who walk circumspectly, making wise choices and decisions, and doing the things that bring into existence the redemption that this world is in desperate need of. Pretty amazing, isn't it? See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the times for the days are evil. Causes me to desire to drop to my knees and cry out, Shema Leb. Give me a hearing heart so that I can hear your counsel and then do your counsel. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray for us. I want to ask God to stir these things in our, our hearts. No one thing specific, because I believe throughout the room there are different uh, convictions and, and different parts of the message. And, and I want to trust and believe that the Holy Ghost, who's present to minister to us individually, is, is the most powerful and effective minister to your situation. Overall, I want that hearing heart present in my life and in your life for the purpose of living that life of intentional choices and decisions and being the carriers and releasers of redemption into this world for the glory of God, the expansion of his kingdom, the fulfilling of our calling and our purpose, everything that God would bring into your life through Jesus and the Holy Ghost through the manifestation of his perfect love for you. There where you stand, I want to pray for, for us. You're welcome to be in agreement or in an attitude of receiving. I want to trust and believe God for great things for all of us. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for the word of truth. We thank you for your instruction and your counsel. We rejoice in your victory. Thank you for the call that you've placed upon our lives 
to live our lives in such a way as to see the things that are pleasing to you, the things of your kingdom, released in and through our existence. Let redemption prevail in and through our lives as we live out lives of wisdom. Let us be associated with the plans that you have for us. In faith, let them be revealed to us. Let them be stirred within our hearts and minds that we might embrace them and devote our lives to seeing them come to pass for your glory. And let the hope and the freedom from all fear and anxiety that comes in knowing you have a plan for us prevail in every thought and be founded in every action. Bring us to a place of intentional decisions and choices that we would be a people who would seek after your counsel and weigh out the things that we would do and say against your instruction. Let us be a teachable people that we could change and grow and mature and develop into the believers that you've called us and anointed us to be. Let us live lives of wisdom with every choice and every decision that we would bring into existence. Let the door be open for redemption into every situation and every circumstance. And let our hearts be softened to hear your counsel at all times. Collectively, we cry out, Shema Leb. Let us have a hearing heart that we might have your counsel revealed to us clearly for the purpose of bringing it to pass through our actions, our words, our attitudes, every aspect of our being. And let redemption be capped with celebration. As these times are redeemed, let the result be worship, thanksgiving, Let there be a joy that would be released in and through our lives that would draw men and women out of the depression that's in this world. We desire to be the light in the darkness. And we thank you that you've made a way for this to be who we are for your glory. We receive the call. And we ask by the power of your Spirit, by all the mercy and grace that we find in the blood of Jesus. Let us live lives that are pleasing to you as we would hear your word and intentionally devote our lives to bringing it to pass. We bless your name and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at jameschurch.com.